ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय अयातमीदम सर्व जगद व्यक्त मूर्ति नाम स्थानी सर्वूता न चाहंतेश्वस्थ अथ श्रीकृष्णनादी नभवेद्राह्यमेन्द्रिया शिवोन्मुखे जीवाद स्वयं स्फुरत्यद प्रमाजनछुरीत भक्ति विलोचन सन्थ सदव हृदयु विलोकयती This is a very important verse in Bhagavad Gita. Because all the verses are important, uh, some of them, uh, some of the verses explain particular points that are basic to Vaishnav understanding. So this verse uh, expresses the Achintya Bheda Bed philosophy that is especially propounded by the Gorya Vaishnavs. How Krishna is everything, is non-different from everything, yet is different also. Krishna says here. the entire universe is pervaded by me everything is in me but i am not in them then again krishna will state later in bhagavad gita ishvara sarvabhutanam hridesh arjuna tishtati brahmayan sarvabhutani yantrarudhani mayaya that the supreme lord namely himself is situated in the heart of every living being and accompanies them in their wanderings from body to body so how is this to be understood Another question arises from this statement of Lord Krishna's. Theists claim that God is omnipresent. Then atheists say, "Then why can't we see Him?" Prabhupada answers this by citing a verse from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which uh, answers all questions about the mysteries of the Supreme Lord, such as these two important questions, which I've just brought up: If God is everywhere, why can't he be seen that's one question and another question is that how is it that god is everything and in everything and yet different from everything and not within everything which statement appears to be completely contradictory and therefore meaningless yes it is uh, meaningless to those on the material platform in the sense that they cannot ascertain its meaning to them it is a mystery that doesn't mean that it's actually meaningless it it means that it's uh, it's advanced knowledge whose meaning cannot be ascertained except by persons who are themselves on an advanced level in english there is a saying if you if someone speaks some nonsense or there's some very technical language which someone cannot understand they say it's double dutch to me in other words dutch is already non understandable and double dutch is twice as non understandable that just means that you don't understand dutch a dutchman understands it Similarly you see you may see you may open a book on some technical subject matter higher calculus and you see there are so many greek figures and mathematical symbols and most people won't understand it it doesn't mean that it's not understandable it means they don't have the qualification to understand it if uh, laymen here to scientists discussing on a high level maybe about uh, nuclear physics or something like this to them it will sound as meaningless as the chattering of children but it doesn't mean that it is meaningless like the chattering of children 
Sometimes uh, when theistic people try to introduce topics of God, atheistic people say, ah, that's, a, that's all nonsense. They'll dismiss it like this. <clears throat> Do you have that experience? Ah, that's all nonsense. It just means that they don't understand it. It doesn't mean that it's not understandable. It means that they are not qualified to understand it. So how is the qualification to understand the science of God attained? Prabhupada opens uh, his purport to this difficult verse by stating the qualification to understand it. Atashya Krishna nama adi nabhavad grahim indriyai sivon mukhe hi jivado swayameva spurati adaha that this knowledge of Krishna is not material knowledge. Krishna is not a product of this material world. He states here that this entire universe is pervaded by him, yet he is aloof from the universe. He is, a, he is of a different nature than the universe. Although the universe cannot exist without him, he is aloof from it and above it being the controller of it. So no material qualification is sufficient to even begin to understand Krishna. It requires a spiritual qualification. One has to accept the proper methodology to understand God. Even in material knowledge, one has to accept the proper methodology to understand any particular subject matter. You say, well, I, I want to understand God scientifically. But first consider, is it possible? Even within science, there are different uh, disciplines. So if someone says, uh, okay, now I'm going to be a doctor. So here's a sick patient, bring the Bunsen burner. Bunsen burner means in the chemistry lab you have this, you have the oh. round and there's yeah. a, a, a little gas flame and you put test tubes on top of mm. it. We'll, uh, we'll analyze his heart condition by sticking a Bunsen burner up his nose. That's not the proper way to do it. You have to use the proper instruments. You may say, well, Bunsen burner, that's very scientific. But we have to know how to apply the correct instruments to analyze the, any particular situation. Every discipline requires its appropriate methodology. If you want to uh, study the history of medieval Russia, then you have to find ancient inscriptions and old books. If you want to study microbiology, you have to bring a microscope. There's no use to bring a telescope. And if you want to understand, if you want to study cosmology, then there's no use to bring a microscope. So in every discipline, uh, the correct means must be adopted. Similarly, to understand spiritual knowledge, one has to adopt the correct methodology, which doesn't depend on any machines or any academic research, but which depends on purification of consciousness. Understanding spiritual knowledge means acting on the platform of consciousness. Spiritual existence means purification of consciousness. Without purifying the consciousness, one cannot understand the Supreme Pure. Brahmavit Brahmaiva Bhavati. If one wants to become spiritual, if one wants to understand the spiritual, then he himself has to become spiritual. There is no, here it is mentioned, there is no material means to understand God. Atashri Krishna Namadi Nabhavet Grahyam Indriyai. Krishna's name, fame, form, qualities, pastimes, associates, dham, etc. None of these can be understood through any material means. 
sometimes scholars they wanted to research on Krishna consciousness and they like to me- measure what happens when you chant Hare Krishna, what happens to your heart rate and your respiration rate and your, your brain waves. And so it may be, I don't know because I haven't investigated and I don't know what the results of investigations are because I'm not very interested, but it may be that by chanting Hare Krishna there is some favorable alteration of the brain waves. It may be. It may be because uh, spiritual purification also tends to have good material side effects. Similarly, we sometimes say to people, we say, you see, if you take to Krishna consciousness, you'll become a better person, you'll become a vegetarian. I don't know if in Russia that's considered to be better, but at least some people may appreciate that, you see, it's less violent, and some people will appreciate that it's probably probably better for health. You see, and if you become uh, Krishna conscious, then no more vodka. So you see, it's good. You don't you don't become an alcoholic. Mm. Of course, nowadays beer is very popular in Russia, but no beer either. <laughs> so uh, we may say, you see, you become a vegetarian, and you become a non-drinker, and a non-gambler, and all very good things. But this is not the main aim of Krishna consciousness. It's not that the aim of the Krishna conscious movement is to make everyone in the world a vegetarian. That is not our aim. Of course, if people become Krishna conscious, they will become vegetarian. But that is not in and of itself the aim of the Krishna consciousness movement. That is a secondary result of becoming Krishna conscious. As Prabhupada often pointed out, even the pigeons and monkeys are vegetarian, so it's not a great credit to be a vegetarian. So these are... Uh, material, favorable side effects of Krishna consciousness. But they do not in and of themselves constitute Krishna consciousness. In fact, some of the most, uh, some of the propounders of the most demoniac philosophies have been vegetarian. Most of the major Mayavadis in India have been and are vegetarian. But their philosophy is demoniac. So, uh, Krishna is to be understood by the process of devotional service, which entails a sense of service to Krishna. So people may challenge, well, this seems very strange. We're complaining that we can't see God, and you say he can, only be, he can only be understood by serving him. But how can we start to serve him if we don't even believe that he exists? In the previous verse, Krishna has mentioned, Asharadhana purusha dharmasyasya parantapa aprapya mangnevartante mrityu sangsara bhartmani those who are faithless, those who are not faithful on the path of devotional service, cannot attain me, O conqueror of the foes, but return to repeated birth and death in this material world. So some initial faith is required, some initial elevation of consciousness, some uh, intuition that beyond this, uh, everything we see, there is something more that the material manifestations that we can see, touch, smell, taste, feel and hear are not all in all. So that Krishna mentions here. That the beginning of faith is to understand that there is God. He is omnipresent, omniscient. He is imminent within the cosmic manifestation. Yet his glory is far more than simply being the maintainer of the cosmos. In materialistic religions, they mostly take God to be the supreme order supplier. 
He is the, main, the creator and maintainer of the cosmos. So if you want anything, ask him. Dear God, I want a lot of money, give it to me. Dear God, you are my father, I am your son, I love you very much, give me a thousand dollars. Or if you can't manage that, at least give me my daily bread. However, Vaishnavism teaches to understand God beyond the material creation. He, uh, his uh, functions in relationship with the material cosmos constitute only a very tiny part of his glories. Practically, he has very little direct touch with the cosmic manifestation. In his original, particularly in his original form as Krishna, he's not concerned with all this creation, maintenance, destruction. Actually, to understand Krishna is very elevated. Even to understand God is not very easy. And practically speaking, uh, Krishna is more than God. He's God who's in a higher position than being simply God. God means who's the supreme controller, maintainer. So Krishna is all those things. He's in the supermost majestic position. But he's not particularly interested in that. He finds himself as Narayan. Okay, people want to praise me. I'm God. Okay, here I am. Praise me. But as for me, I'm going off in the forest barefoot with my cows and cowherd friends. So to understand Krishna is not so easy. Even Brahma, he was bewildered in understanding Krishna. Among all the great personalities in the universe, Brahma is the first and supreme Brahmana, Adikavi. And after studying all the Vedas three times, he came to the conclusion there is no higher process than devotion to the Supreme Lord. So he went, when the Bhumi Devi was lamenting, he went to the shore of the milk ocean with all the demigods and invited Lord Vishnu to appear in this world. So the Supreme Lord did appear in this world. And all the demigods, headed by Brahma, visited the prison house of Kangsa Maharaj when Devaki was holding Krishna within her womb and offered prayers to Lord Krishna within the womb. And then they witnessed the Supreme Lord appearing in his majestic Narayan form before Vasudeva and Devaki, which is to be celebrated in two days' time as Janmashtami. So that four-armed majestic form of Vishnu took the form of a little baby and Vasudeva carried him to Gokul, to Nandalai. So Brahma, he prayed for Vishnu to come. He prayed, and when Vishnu came in the womb, he prayed to him. He saw him take birth with four-handed Narayan form, and he saw that four-handed Narayan take the form of a baby and be taken to the place of Nanda and Yashoda. And he saw this little boy grow up and kill various demons. But Brahma became bewildered when he saw that this young boy, he's going out every day with cows. God doesn't do that. God sits on a throne. And people offer him prayers. He doesn't chase behind cows, running barefoot, and eating food from a cooked by a cowherd woman. And in the temples, only the Brahmins can cook. You can't have any Vaisha woman come and cooking for the Lord. And what's more, he sits down with all his cowherd boys, and sometimes they're eating, and they say, this is very nice, why don't you take Krishna? They give him the, what they're eating, they give to him. And he says, oh, that's very nice, he eats it. So Brahma thought, definitely something is wrong here. This isn't God. God is a very respectable person. 
See, I'm Brahma, I'm the most respected person within the universe. I certainly don't run around barefoot chasing after cows. And what to speak of fighting and climbing on my back. There's no question of anyone doing that. People come very respectfully to me and they should do because I'm Brahma. And I offer my respects to Vishnu. So something went wrong here. I don't know what happened, but this Krishna, I don't think he's Vishnu. Maybe it's an imposter. This is called Brahma Vimohana Leela. Our Lord Brahma became very much bewildered that he couldn't understand that how God should be, take such an apparently disrespectful, disrespectable position. So we know the story how he kidnapped the cows and cowherd boys. And then Krishna again manifested himself in the form of those cowherds and cowherd boys. And thus gave the parents of the cows and the cowherd boys and the cows who were the, the mothers of the calves the chance to act personally as his parents. And how Brahma saw this and he thought, what is going on here? I took away the cows and the cowherd boys and they're still there. So he checked in the cave where he kept them. Are they there? They're still there sleeping. So he's got four heads. So with one head he's looking this way and seeing in the cave there's the, the cows and cowboys, boys and the other side he's looking and they're there with Krishna. So then all his foreheads started spinning round. What's going on here? And then Krishna showed. Think I'm a cowherd boy? Well, I am. But what kind of, what kind of cowherd boy? Then he saw, Brahma saw every calf and cowherd boy that Krishna had taken the form of was being worshipped by millions of demigods. They were all Vishnu forms. Vishnu forms, but not behaving as Brahma thought Vishnu should behave. So, this is Brahmara Duralabha Prem, that this love of God beyond the respectable position of Narayana, that is difficult to attain even for Brahma, who after seeing this manifestation of Krishna's opulence, declares, Jananta eva janantu kimba hukyaname prabho manaso vapusho vacho vaibhavam tavagochanaha. He said that, some people may think, I know Krishna. But as far as I am concerned, and I'm the number one Brahmana in the universe, not only do I have a very good brain, but I have four very good brains, each one of them much better than Einstein's brain. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't think I know anything about Krishna. Neither through mental activities, physical activities, discussion, we cannot understand the glories of Krishna. Krishna can be understood. He says in Bhagavad Gita, Bhaktyamam abhijanati, Angrama understood through devotion, but not through any mental process. Even a mental process as advanced as that of Lord Brahma's. Of course, uh, intellectual activity is there in Krishna consciousness also. Study of Shastra is, study and hearing of Shastra is an important part of Krishna conscious development. But it is not merely an intellectual or mental process. It must be cultivated in a mood of service to Krishna. Then that is scholarship in devotional service. Without that mood of service to Krishna, even study of Shastra is simply another kind of mental speculation. So this is uh, very deep what Krishna is speaking. It is uh, apparent on the material platform it appears to be contradictory. It, it can only be understood by the mercy of Krishna which is possible to attain by 
sincere service mode. There are many great Vedic scholars who completely misunderstand this verse and take it to mean that actually Krishna is ultimately impersonal. Therefore, Prabhupada has emphasized in his purport this very important verse, Krishna can be understood only by the process of devotional service. So you all have a good opportunity to be great Vedic scholars. You've got Prabhupada's books, good opportunities for studying those books, especially here in Moscow or throughout Russia through the Correspondence Bhakti Shastri program. So study these books in a service mood. Become convinced and preach Krishna consciousness throughout this land. On the basis of realized Shastric understanding, establish that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That will be a great service. So study Shastra, become convinced and convince others. Hare Krishna. Speak so you can be heard in that corner. He asks why we shouldn't spend money. So you mentioned that devotees they don't drink, they don't eat meat, and they don't. don't Well, devotees don't also unnecessarily, frivolously spend money. If you want to make money, make money. Make millions of dollars and spend it all for Krishna. Nothing for sense gratification. Are you making millions of dollars? Well, when you do, give it all to Krishna and his devotees. There are lots of poor devotees too. But then they shouldn't use it for sense gratification. You have to be very careful. Kanak and Kamini, these are two dangers for devotees. Kanak means gold, money. And Kamini means womanly attraction. So, you see, even the rich men of the world, they don't get Krishna Prasadam.